0: Can you remind me If you're Everyone and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am the host and founder. I'm Lori LeBay, and Alzheimer Speaks exists because my own mother uh, lived with dementia for 30 years. Yep, you heard me right, 30 years, and it was life changing. And I decided to change careers and try to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. And today we have a woman with us who is really doing the same thing. Her name is Karen Tyrell. And she has, uh, she is all about cracking the dementia code. And I cannot wait to have this conversation because I love talking to like mind people. Um, for those of you that are new to our show, um, bottom line, we are about raising everyone's voice and helping them live graciously alongside dementia, no matter what type of disease it is. Um, we understand the the emotions, um, that roller coaster feeling of guilt and isolation and frustration and and expectations of yourself and others. Um, but we've also found that path of joy and purpose and passion and learning to listen and let go and just let things flow and really focus, focus on the joy along with interviewing uh, people at all levels and all stages of life, from we've had kids on to uh, older adults to businesses to people living with dementia, caring for them, advocates, researchers, singers, songwriters, movie directors, you name it. Everyone has a story, and we want to hear it here on Alzheimer's Speak. So please feel free to reach out to me. And let me know what your story is, and we will schedule you on the show. Uh, You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com. That's the main website. There's a big Contact Me button up on the top right-hand corner, and you can either call or email me, whatever is easiest for you, and I'd love to talk to you. Same if you're a business. We help, through all of our various platforms, raise um, and elevate your product, service, or tool by sharing our platform with you. And I would love to talk to you about branding opportunities there because people need to know where you are and who you are and what you have to offer. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I always like to give a shout-out. And first of all, I want to shout-out to uh, Lisa Marie Chakova. She is um, doing her second annual cruise. And you can find out more information by going to ALZ, A-L-Z, cruisetropics.com That's ALZCruiseTropics.com. Uh, there are others out there, but there's nobody like Lisa, and I know you will be well taken care of. I also love giving a shout-out to Stall Catchers. That is a game we can all participate in where we can actually analyze real-life Alzheimer's data and push timeframes forward significantly. It costs no money. It just takes time. And there are um, people like 6 to 96 playing this game. So check out stallcatchers.com. You can put a team together. Schools are doing competitions. There are people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. And uh, even people with dementia can play this game as well if they're comfortable with it. And then, of course, memory cafes. I can't say enough about them. Um, I was honored to launch uh, the first one here in the state um, back quite a while ago in Roseville, Minnesota, and then we also launched one with the first dementia friendly community um, in Watertown and um, have helped several others launch around the country, but you can go to the memory cafe directory and find one in your area. Um, Or if you have one that you want to promote, make sure you list it there because it's free and we would love, love to have you listed. So, because people need to be able to find you Um, last. I want to just uh, shout out to everybody listening because You know, it's still the month of November, which is Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month and the National Family Caregiver Month as well. And, you know, we have to pull together and we have to share our information with one another. It's just so critically important because there are so many people in our own sphere of influence that we don't even know are dealing with this. The statistic is every three seconds, somebody in the world is, is uh, developing dementia That's a huge number And so it's so important for us To learn how to live graciously With it And to our listeners Again, Alzheimer's Speaks wouldn't be Where it is without you Your loyalty And you taking the time to Like and share our content On Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn And so many others um, Have reached us all around the world Which just uh, it has been incredible. And so I so, you know, on this uh, week of Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who have participated um, and listened and shared, Because that's, to me, the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia. Now remember, you can call in and talk to both Karen and I directly at 323-870-4602. That's 323- Eight seven zero four six zero two, or you can also chat with us if you are on the radio page. There's a little chat box. Feel free to type uh, in your question or comment. I'll be watching both, and I'll pull you in um, as, as we go here. So with no further ado, let me introduce you to Karen Tyrell. She is a dementia consultant, educator, speaker, And the author of the book, Cracking the Dementia Code, Creative Solutions to Cope with Changed Behaviors, and what a needed book this is. With um, over 25 years of experience, Karen has worked with corporations, and she offers one-on-one and group support for families um, to provide practical solutions to help alleviate those everyday challenges associated with dementia and this is just a critical piece you know that that practical applicable, you know tip and technique is what we all need and we all need to share that so welcome karen
1: how are you doing today thank you so much for having me Lori. this is such an honor
0: well, I am I am thrilled to learn from you today, as I know our audience is, but before I get into my line of questioning, I always ask every one of my guests, have you been personally touched by dementia
1: in your own family circle or circle of friends? Absolutely, but it didn't start out that way. Uh, my passion didn't start from a family member. It started from watching how people were being cared for in a long-term care home. And from there, I've been on a mission. But over time, yes, I've had family on uh, my own. Um, uh, I've had some uh, aunts and then my husband's side of his family. Okay.
0: And, it, and it's interesting that that's not where it started. But think of all the resources you've built up um, for those family members. It's, it's interesting what gets people Going, you know, um, and and typically they've been touched in some fashion. It sounds like you were touched by just watching the treatment and the interaction that was happening. And and I'm imagining saying we can do better
1: than that. Oh my goodness, yes. And I've been so pleased that I have been able to help make a positive difference over these years. It's uh, it's been a journey, but uh, we still have a long way still to go. But knowing that there are people like yourself and myself just trying to educate, advocate, and try to make a difference for those people. Because I I just put myself in their shoes and think, what would I want? Yeah, and exactly. the types of strategies that I'm sharing is what I would want somebody to do to care for me if I had dementia. Okay. You had mentioned that you
0: saw the way people were being cared for. Can you just give a couple of examples of of what just kind of probably put your stomach in a knot and went, really? Is this what's going on? This is not good.
1: Well, well, the big thing for me that I I call it my sort of my pinnacle moment of knowing I need to be on this path to help these individuals. And I was doing student placement. I, I was taking a course around gerontology and therapeutic recreation for seniors. So I was doing my placement in a long-term care home. I was uh, stationed on the dementia unit uh, for uh, you know, several days. And one of the days when I was leaving, after having a great afternoon of programming and making people smile, we were dancing, we had so much fun, uh, this unit was just one long hallway. And in the middle of this hallway were the exit doors. It was double doors, and these double doors had windows that were not camouflaged. They could see in and out of these doors. So as I did the punch code to leave, I noticed the ladies coming towards me saying, where are you going? Can't we go with you? We want to go with you. Don't leave us here. And I remember my heart and my stomach, just in, in that knot, as you as you explained, going, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go, but I will be back in the morning. Um, but that wasn't enough. As I shut that door, they were watching me and pounding their fist on that door and pulling on it, knowing they're locked in. And I walked away backwards. And I remember watching this going, this is wrong. This is not how they should be treated. They should not have felt trapped. They should not have felt like, caged animals. In my opinion, I kept thinking, this is wrong. It should have been, um, you know, I re- we should be reducing their agitation of, of needing to leave where their, their, their home is, which is that new locked ward. And so I thought to myself, we've got to educate people. We, there's a better way of doing this. We could have put curtains up. We could have put some other distraction in that home for these people to make a better difference.
0: Yep. Uh, very true. And, th- and that is such a common um, situation where people want to leave, they want to escape, they want to go home. There's, I mean, there's so many, mm-hmm. so many different branches of that. <clears throat> now, one of the things that I want to talk to you about today, too, is you were involved with the first um, Dementia Village Project in Canada. So tell us about the village and your role in that whole piece.
1: Okay, so because I told you about the real big moment that really bothered me and really set me on my journey was the environmental setup. I have had this dream ever since that day to have my own care home, and I wanted it to be a small house. I wanted it to not feel like a hospital or institution. I wanted it to have access to the backyard anytime they wanted to go for a walk and a wandering pathways in a safe, controlled environment So I've been on this journey for so long, hoping I'll get there someday. And then I finally get this call. I've had people call me before saying, we want to do a dementia village. And I've been watching what's been happening in the Netherlands, thinking, I'd love to see this in Canada. And when I got the call for a meeting in January 2017, I I thought, well, maybe it's another one of those people just have high dreams. We're not going anywhere. But when I showed up for that meeting, they had the plans. They had the land. They had architects ready to go. They were so excited about creating this new Canadian dementia village on five acres. uh, Well, it's actually seven acres of land. I was just blown away that they wanted me to be involved to support them with making sure that they're coming up with the right ideas, the right strategies, uh, the right concepts that are, are going to make a positive difference for people affected by dementia. And so this was a project that started for me in 2017, uh, and we broke ground in 2018, and the village is now open. It's in Langley, B.C., Canada, and it opened this past summer. Uh, it's called the Langley Village and people can go to the website, com, or sorry, com. And uh, this is a beautiful environment where the people who live there are not feeling like trapped animals. It is so spacious. The, the land, the um, scenery, the walkways, there is a general store that they could go to. They can leave their little household. There's Six main households, 12 people in each household, and it's cozy in that environment where they're getting really good care. There's no long hallways. It's um, circular areas that people could... walk around, uh, there's a community center they can come to for the day, for their exercise, they feel like they've gotten out of their home, they've got dressed, they've enjoyed the sunshine, the breeze, the um, even the cold. The People do love being out in the cold all bundled up. Um, and it just has been such a great experience. I've talked to a family member yesterday who had moved her dad into the home, and she's just so thrilled about the care he's receiving there and how happy he is. She, was, she said he's so different now. He's even laughing. when They, don't, they didn't even remember how he used to laugh until uh, recently. So this uh, new village is, um, in my opinion, the better type of care environment that we need to offer people affected by dementia and their families.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'd love to see see more of them being built and um, that shift in culture of, of what's important. It, you know, it's about um, letting them have some risk in terms of moving around and, and living life fully and, and feeling like they're participating in life versus Absolutely. being so structured um, I think that, that yeah. that's really important. So um, thevillagelangley.com, you said, is where people can go to, to find out a little bit more about that. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was um, with the village concept, what, what did you see in terms of the difference of staff reaction to the philosophy and, and same with family and residents?
1: Yes, yeah, so the philosophy is mainly around person directed living as well as person centered care uh, really what that person needs, and not to have the routine of everybody gets up for breakfast at eight and everybody has lunch at noon or it's um it's it's a real different type of care philosophy um, and the staff, that we, were, we were told that we're really going to have to work hard to make sure that we beat back that traditional long-term care dragon, we call it, of people wanting to fall into the old routines, the old approaches, the old styles. This is completely different. I, I, there's so much more about the village I can share, but um, the staff really need to adapt to this new philosophy, There is no housekeeping, uh, so to speak, in the household. There is no uh, kitchen staff. It is the team. It's the team leads that work the household, the household leads that coordinate everything. And then we have people who are enriched living facilitators, and they are helping with everything, whether it's picking up some garbage, whether it's vacuuming, whether it's um, getting somebody dressed in the morning, whether it's doing activities. It is a household, and they're living. They stay working in the same household. We're not moving a staff around different households. It's making family in that home for those 12 people that live in the one household. Uh, so yeah, there's lots more I can share. I I have to be careful. I can go on and on here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you talk about person directed. I I don't like the term person centered either. And I, I, for me, I've been really going with relationship based, which I think is where you guys are at meeting the individual needs, not, you know, and, and really going with the flow and, and having it be directed by um, their, their personal needs. And and I love when you talk about kind of the, the dragon in the room and, you know that phrase. Well, we've always done it this way, and it's like, oh, kick that to the curb. Come on, there's there's some new <laughs> things we can try here. Um, it's yeah. so so important. And you know, I, when, as I travel around the country, one of the things that that I I think is so critical, and it's rare actually when I see this in place, is that team effort that that. Um, you know, like you said, enriched, engaged, um, that sharing of chores, where you just, you naturally just help one another out, knowing that when you need help, someone else will be there to lift and raise you so that the job still gets done, and um, I know the the butterfly model really uh, does that quite well, and it sounds like, you know, you guys have really adapted um, to that philosophy. I, I think the disintegration of of true teams and them feeling purposeful um, has kind of fallen by the wayside um, in a lot of communities because we've gotten so task oriented that we forget about our, our relationships and what's really important, not only to our, our residents or family members, however you want to term them, but um, to the staff as well. And their families, I mean, everybody is, is part of this mix and, you know, you can't really leave anybody out because we all affect one another. And uh, I've been kind of amazed at how many communities don't seem to really understand the importance of of that structure. And that everybody wants to feel purposeful, and everybody wants to understand and 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 help participate and and um, make life better. You know, for those okay, living with dementia. Yeah. And, and we can-
1: when we make that. Their- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you hit on that word purpose, which I really want to emphasize something here. That is something that is part of the philosophy that every villager in that uh, new uh, dementia village, quote unquote, dementia village, um, but Everyone is going to have a purpose, no matter what that purpose may be, whether it's for them to go um, pick up the mail at the community center, or they are going to be pruning the um, berries in our farm garden area, or they're going to be sweeping the patio. All villagers, I'm talking about the people that live there, have a purpose as well. And to make, you know, the, the real big goal is we want everyone to have a good day every day for Whoever is in the village, um, so it's the difference that you're right. It's this new philosophy that is out there. And I know a lot of communities are using it, but it's really putting into practice every day.
0: Yeah, and that that's that's the make or break element. There is really living it, and and mm-hmm. breathing it, and and totally embracing why this is important. You know, and they have to get that. That feedback and be able to participate in it and, and sometimes be able to fail in what they're trying yeah. and not be prosecuted for it, you know, but just learning yeah. from from a lesson and um, in moving forward and not, and not being embarrassed and being able to share that with others. So, you know, we can all learn from one another um, through the good, the bad and the ugly, um, you know, with that. Um, there's so many things I want to talk to you about but I want I want you to talk also about the the two books that you have published and if you can um, share their titles and where they can get them and, and what they can expect out of out of each of those books
1: okay so the first one is called cracking the dementia code as you mentioned in the introduction this came about only because when I moved to a new province in Canada I noticed some of the approaches by the care staff were putting me back into the the, the, era of 1995 when I got started. I thought, wow, the the training or the education here in this new province was not compared to what I was um, used to in Mm -hmm. the other province. I thought I need to pull together all my education um, you know, background, everything I learned, all the workshops, and come up with something very simple to show people how we can support somebody better. And so it became a workshop, which is also for not just frontline staff, but for families, because I really think everyone should be on the same page when it comes to having to manage those changed behaviors. And I'm I'm really sad that you had gone through the experience for over 30 years with your mom, and I'm sure over the time, you know, you knew that it was common for people uh, to, to have changed behaviors. And in my experience, it's when we start to see those changed behaviors in the middle stages is when it's most challenging for the staff or the families. How do we deal with this? What do we say? What do we do? And so I put together the workshop that addresses that. And after so many positive feedback, uh, you know, from doing these workshops over the years, people had said, we need this information further out than just coming to see you. We need people to know this in other provinces, in other countries, perhaps. So that's when the book was developed. So the book came after the workshop, um, and it all is around creative solutions for those behaviors what to do. There's a process. It's very simple. It's a, a, a process that anybody can use to help manage those behaviors as opposed to reaching for the antipsychotic medications right away. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really, um, you know, encouraging people to become a detective to figure out why the behaviors are happening in the first place, because if we could get to the reasons why then we can better manage those behaviors. So this is what I teach in that book, as well as the workshop, which I'm going to deliver uh, at uh, a couple of hours uh, from now. I'll be doing another workshop. Um, And the second book that I had uh, published, I teamed up with an illustrator because around uh, 2016, there was the big craze around adult coloring. And I always had used coloring in supporting people in in long-term care homes in my role in the recreation department. And I knew the benefits of it. So watching adults, you know, really be excited about coloring again, I wanted to let families know that people who are affected by dementia may still love to color too, but those tiny little squares might not be something they could color um, in a positive way. They might have challenges with their dexterity and whatnot, so we made larger um, uh, coloring, uh, I guess we'll call them pages, in the book, but are not childish, and they relate to memories from, uh, from their past. So it's called Home Life Memories, and it's a book full of different sceneries that might bring back some positive reminiscing opportunities. The book has four different reminiscing questions that could be asked of the person that has uh, the coloring page in front of them, as well as some songs that could be brought forward to say, do you remember this song? And see if they will follow along and sing or hum along just to create a positive engagement. Uh, Some families just don't know what to do when they visit the care homes. And I really found that heartbreaking that they'd come, hi, mom, how was your day? What did you eat for breakfast? You know, So this person, unfortunately, won't be able to communicate in that way because they can't recall what they had for breakfast, and then the conversation just ends. So wanting to really educate families, we could do more. We can engage in some positive things. So that is a Home Life Memories. It's a therapeutic coloring and activity book for older adults. And both of these yes. can be found on Amazon or through my own website where I could actually uh, – find the copies if people would like. And then so they can go through my own website at dementia uh, dementiasolutions.ca or again, Amazon or any bookstore, really. Uh, if it's not in the store, they will order it in for you because it's available anywhere.
0: Okay, well, that's wonderful. And I, you know, I like when you were talking about the, you know, cracking the dementia code that it really is about the why. Um, I, I just think that that is so in- important out there. A friend of mine over in Australia, uh, Colin McDowell, did just a really kind of a fun video on finding the why and, and why. it's so. And nothing else is really important except that that why behind it. And, and um, Gert Benninger over in the Netherlands wrote a book too. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Moving Ahead by Standing Still. And, and he talks about um, even the verbiage that we use um, and and he really and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but he suggests um, getting away from using the word behavior because it you know it's that's not a compliment when we're told we have a behavior it's not a skill set and um, really talking about it looking and trying to change the verbiage to people looking at it as a signal or a clue to help them kind of put on that detective hat and yeah. not have it not have it be a blaming thing because one of the things I think people talk about with dementia all the time is they laugh about it. They like, everything gets blamed on my dementia. Some of it's just my personality. (laughs) And it always has been, you know, but it's just easy for everyone to blame the dementia. And um, finding that why I think is so critically, critically important. And you know, the more ways we can get to people in terms of trying to figure that out um, is, is really important. I use a, what I call the reaction equation, because to me, that that's what helped me um, get there. And that is really something very simple. It's a person's attitude plus their past experiences equals their perceptions, and their perceptions trigger, you know, their their reactions. And when, you know, when we put on that investigative hat and kind of dig through all of that, a lot of it makes a, just a ton of sense, you know, yeah. where they're going and it, and why. Um, so I, I just, I think the the more ways we can teach people um, to look at the why and really understand that a person with dementia is really no different than us. Everything about yeah. us is about the why, too. Every yeah. person yeah. you encounter. You can use those those same skill sets that you're teaching in your book, Cracking the Dementia Code, with everybody, you know, uh, Um, it just kind of shines a light on human behavior as a whole, I think.
1: You're so right. And I've had people come to me later and say, Karen, these are some concepts that would really work well with people with autism. And I've never worked with people with autism. I've never worked with um, young children because I I don't have children myself. And so people are coming to me, this is really good for parents too. (laughs) And I'm thinking, well, I guess it's human nature really. And so it's just putting ourselves in that person's shoes. Why did they just throw something? Why are they refusing to take a bath? Why do they want to leave? there's always a reason and if we don't think that way we're not going to do justice to help this person and it's just trying to make it as simple as possible for people to grasp this way of thinking and to adopt this new attitude towards uh, the the individuals who are living with symptoms of dementia.
0: Yeah I was at a a concert or concert a conference this last week and somebody came up to me um, just like you said with with autism and they said Oh, gosh, we want to have you come speak. You know, I I deal with mental illness and and all of this applies. And I said, you know what, I could, I would be glad to speak, but I got the perfect person for you who really has lived the mental illness, you know, boat, but it, it is, it really truly is universal. And I think, I don't know, for me as a daughter, when I learned to look at things different, and, and lordy, lordy, I am far from perfect, and I slipped up a lot of times, and I would go into that blame and shame game, um, you know, when you're just feeling overwhelmed and you don't have time or you feel like you don't have time, and I it made just a huge difference. It made my mom's life easier. It made my life easier. Everybody around's life easier. And it was just like, you know there's that saying when when mom is happy, the whole family's happy. Same thing <laughs> with a person with dementia. And we can save so much um, time and energy and and bring that comfort and help the budgets too, you know, with staffing because they can get in that spin cycle. Of crisis and really, really finding that comfort, taking that little bit of extra time avoids kind of that disastrous draining time that that oh. throws everybody for a loop and isn't healthy. And so I think I, I do really agree with you that it's changing that mindset and letting them see and and literally feel the difference in the atmosphere. Um, yeah. is
1: nothing powerful. Warms my, and nothing warms my heart more than when I could, you know, I consult with a family, I educate them around some of these techniques that you know, have been used for years, but they had no awareness of it. They just were not in this world. And when I can educate them about some techniques, uh, such as what I talk about in my book a lot, talk about in all my education, is around using what I call therapeutic reasoning. Mm-hmm. And when they grasp it 's okay that they can use therapeutic reasoning for their loved one as a way to help keep the peace. Wow, the transformation, the thank yous, Karen, I had no idea this is a possibility. What a difference this has made in our lives i I guess I get goosebumps and I get over overjoyed with wow i we are helping people make a difference in this, in this world. And to make the life journey so much um, smoother, reduce as much stress as we can. It's not possible to eliminate every stress or every problem, but if we can reduce it, help the families to cope better, then I feel like we're doing, uh, you know, a wonderful thing for the family.
0: So when you're talking, uh, you know, your therapeutic, what did you call it, therapeutic um, reasoning? reasoning. Reasoning um, is that like your,
1: your your white lie or what I call the fiblet? Oh, I guess yeah. Everybody has different names for it. I just always talk to people around. You know, it's so hard to reason with somebody with symptoms of dementia because of their poor thinking abilities, their poor reasoning abilities, or their judgment. Um, you know, decline in judgment uh, abilities. But we could use. Therapeutic reasoning because it's a way that um, will provide a benefit. Anything, anything therapeutic is beneficial. And yep. to look at it in this way, we're going to reason with this person in a way that will bring out a benefit for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's going to help keep the peace. It helps bring a lot of reassurance for that person who's lacking reassurance mm-hmm. in their world. Yeah. And, and uh, we... I was going to say, I like the word therapeutic because I
0: think. Family and staff can go, oh, okay. This is this is an acceptable protocol because I think when they get into that that white lie or not telling the truth, you know, right away, you know, some people have that. I, I that's not me. I always tell the truth. I'm always honest. And and when they can understand that sometimes telling the truth isn't healthy for that person, nope. like I I never told my mom I got divorced because she loved my husband and, you know, I, I, I loved him too. I just didn't love him the way I needed to you know, anymore. Right. And, and we, and we, you know, moved apart and she would have spun in that. And, you know, to this day, we're still friends, but she, I could have never explained that to her where she would have felt comfortable. It's kind of like with a death um, sometimes, you know, people go, well, I have to tell them the truth. I have to tell them that's not right. And it's like in whose world, you know? We always talk about living in their world, and I, I, I have a little bit of a problem with that because it's our world, and it really it's about bringing peace to our world, you know, and putting them first and foremost, and how are we making them feel? And well, um, and I just think it is so critical. So uh, so I like that that therapeutic. Reasoning. So, um, thank you so much for sharing that. What are some Uh, of the top? Oh,
1: Oh, sorry. I tell them to put it. I tell them to put it in their back pocket. You know, here it is. This is therapy degrees. If you're not comfortable then, okay, that's fine. But know that it's available to you. And some families I've done that and they've come to me and said, Karen, we pulled it out of our back pocket, you know, joking with me. And, you know, it was the best thing we could have done. We should have done it sooner. But they weren't ready. Um, so just letting people know, I know it might feel awkward, but you're right. You you, you said it. We want to keep the peace. We If it's not working, what we're te- if we're telling them the truth that somebody has died, that mm-hmm. they are devastated every time they hear this, then why don't we just use a little therapeutic reasoning to say, oh, where do you think, you know, uncle Joe is today? Where do you think he is? And if she can come back to reality on her own, that's great. But if, if she says, oh, I don't know, maybe he's out fishing with Bob. Oh, well then maybe he's fishing with Bob. And yep. that is just leaving it at that and moving on to something else more positive to talk about. But instead of put, you know, it's, it's hurting them. It's, uh, if we're, we're saying these things that are going to bring anxiety or anger or upset, why didn't you tell me? No one told me. You know, those types of emotions are not what we want to surface. Um, we want to keep the peace and to know that it's not about being deceitful or hurtful to harm mm-hmm. someone. It's really about helping
0: yeah, yeah, very, that is very true, and I've had families, too, like you, that just weren't ready, and like you said, it's very common, and like, oh, my gosh, why, why did we wait so long? Because, and I think some families, um, and there's no right or wrong to this, just get to the point of, I am so exhausted, I will try anything, and then they pull that out, like you said, of their back pocket and go, huh, wow, that worked, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can... I can do this. This was so much easier versus that draining or even that anticipation that a conversation like that could turn up and knowing how emotionally exhausting it can be if you're not in the proper mindset. And I think that's what sometimes keeps families away and friends away because they have already pre framed that this is going to be really difficult and it's going to be really hard. And and so, you know, when you when you preframe something like that, typically that's what you're gonna end up with because that's what you're looking for. That's what you you expect. But when you get into that flexible, spontaneous role, you can have so much fun in these conversations that are wonderful stories to tell and share with, with family and friends after the fact. Because it's it's about the the fun in the moment, the joy. Um, that that can be had or the peace and the comfort. And, um, you know, those things um, are definitely there. And I think, you know, through marketing through fear for so many years, you know, that's one of the things we have to as educators have to keep chiseling away with that there's a whole other side to this. You know, that's what people thought about cancer and heart disease and diabetes and AIDS. And I mean, the list goes on and on. And, People don't believe that anymore. You know, they believe that there can be a quality of life with those diseases. Mm-hmm. And I, I think dementia is, is absolutely no different. What are some of the topics that you educate for both family and frontline staff? Are, are they different or are they the same?
1: Often I do the same uh, around uh, the Cracking the Dementia Code workshop. <laughs> for example, today I'm actually going to educate the volunteers that are um, going to be helping out in the village Langley. Uh, But I have done workshops for families. Last week I had done one for families, but I use different language when I'm speaking to the frontline staff as well. I use different, you know, bring up more um, the, uh, you know, the studies that have been involved and really trying to change their mindset a little. It takes a little bit more work with the frontline workers who've been in the field forever um, to kind of get them to think this way. And when everybody's on the same page, if all of the staff on the unit or on that in that home are using the same language thinking the same way instead of having only two or three people go off to a workshop and come back and try to implement all these changes it just doesn't seem to work so i love when i get to go in and educate everyone together uh or in the terms of uh, in the case of the village educating their volunteers, and then I will be educating their family shortly, because I believe that if you're not working together, it's going to cause more problems. If somebody's using therapeutic reasoning for someone and to say to them that their husband is probably still working late tonight, you know, as opposed to, you know, he's passed away, and then somebody else comes in and says, well, your husband passed away, uh, because they're trying to use reality orientation, it's going to cause this person a lot of emotional um, upset up and down who's on on that shift or family are are not are using this technique and the staff aren't feeling confident in using it and they're not feeling they have permission to use therapeutic reasoning then it's not going to work Uh, I just really feel we need to be all on the same page so everyone is getting the same education but over the years I have had families come to me and say Karen how can I avoid getting this I see my mom go through this or my grandparents or my husband how can I avoid this I don't want to develop dementia and so I created a, a, a talk, it's an hour talk, using a lot of the research that has been brought about on how we can maintain a healthy brain. So I speak on that. I speak on you know, other sort of uh, stress and dementia connections uh, that we're noticing. Uh, I, I talk more around how to cope, uh, how family members could um, uh, get the, the tips for survival on this journey. Uh, you know, tips that caregivers need to know. I just I love educating. I love really opening up people's minds to thinking differently, because we have to when it comes to dementia care to really make that positive difference. Yeah, I agree.
0: And I love that you're um, because I have the same philosophy that we have to educate everybody equally using the same terms. Otherwise, it's just not going to work, you know, um, because we all affect one another. What are some of your future hopes for dementia care, Karen?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I wish I had that magic wand. <laughs> Sorry, I really do. I wish I can get rid of it completely. I wish we can stop the families going through this. It breaks my heart. It really... Like I still get teary eyes when I hear of a new family being affected. It's like, no, another one. But this is the reality that we're going through right now. Families are being affected, and I wish it could stop. Yeah. So I would love to see every type of dementia have that cure, you know, a treatment or some kind of way to eliminate the slow and steady decline and changes and devastation that it brings to families, for sure, hands down. I would love to see that change. But then I think, what can I do in my own little world with my abilities, my skills, my expertise? And, you know, it's basically pushing for enhanced education, more education Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, As soon as people understand it better, they can make a better difference. And I'd love to see more dementia-friendly communities step in and step up in the world, you know, just to really get educated. Because that's one of the big components of cities becoming dementia-friendly is Getting that education piece so they could support somebody and not think, wow, that person's gone crazy. You know, yeah. why are they acting this way? Well, if to understand this is common for dementia, and here are some solutions on how we support somebody with that mm-hmm. issue. Wonderful. So I would love to see more education for sure and using the right approaches um, because, like you said, we can't stop this every three seconds issue. It just, I cringe when I hear it. I don't like hearing it. And um, I just, uh, all we can do is, you know, encourage people to commit to more research, funding research, but also funding to help the families get this type of education and support that they need on the journey. Because as you said, for some people, it might only be five years, but for some people, it could be 30. And that's a long time they should not be journeying alone they really no. i see the help the more support the more people they can vent to ask questions to people to jump in to help provide respite everything is, is it's it's a it's, it's um it's complicated in in some ways but if families knew where they can turn for that help uh, mm-hmm. that is what we need to have happening in every community
0: yeah, we really do need a balance between care and cure. That support is so badly needed. Um, I mean, everyone would like a cure, but in the meantime, we have we have a major crisis on our hands worldwide with this, and we we need to get a hold of people at all levels, from kids in school uh, to you know uh, spouses to friends and family neighbors, uh, communities at large. I, I totally agree. Well, Karen, this has just been a wonderful conversation and I so appreciate your time. Now people can go to your website, which is dementiasolutions.ca because you're in Canada. Um, yeah. dementia Dementiasolutions.ca or info at dementiasolutions.ca is your email. And you also have um, a phone number. that's 888-502-1321. Again, thank you so much for your time today. I really uh, so appreciate it, and I am um, so aligned in terms of what you are doing, and I hope people reach out to you to learn more.
1: Oh, I feel the same way, Lori. It does. It really makes me happy to be speaking with other like minded people just like me. So please continue the amazing work you're doing. The world needs you. You're doing amazing. Well, thank you.
0: Up and onward, we'll go. And our community will follow and hopefully spread the word. And don't forget to um, purchase her book, Cracking the Dementia Code. And, again, you can get that on Amazon or go directly to her site to get a signed copy. It'd make a wonderful holiday gift for a family member as well or a friend who's dealing with this. Again, at uh, I I want to thank everyone again for being with us. And um, please like, click and share and subscribe, Um, pass this show along. That's what we're all about. And if you've got a story to tell, I want to hear it. What are your thoughts? What are your opinions? What are you doing um, in your own space to make a difference in our dementia care culture? Because everyone has the power to make a difference in the life of someone living with dementia and ourselves we have this this is a great impact on not only ourselves, but everybody as a whole, because the lessons learned through this disease can be applied in all of your life. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving and a wonderful holiday season. And we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors